this intro like three times and the first time seth was all depressed he said hey homebodies and i said can you please sound happier and he went hey homebodies and uh, then hey homebodies and then the third time which was this time he did better but he was still annoying about it anyways how was your week seth my week was quite the week it was quite the week it was actually pretty all right it was a better week than last week oh yeah last week was garbage. last week was <laughs> major Major toilet, major toilet last week. <laughs> this week was, this week has been much better. Okay, or good. At like mid last week to this week was much better. Yeah. Guys, guess who forced her boyfriend to go see the Barbie movie? Me! But Seth liked it. I did like it. It was, okay. I actually loved the visuals of that movie. It was probably the best part was how bright everything was and how... I don't know, it was so colorful and like so fun and the music was so upbeat and mm-hmm. the humor was top tier. We just agreed that it was a, a little too woke. I don't think it was that bad. I think I, I think it was definitely woke and a little more woke than I than than I, I'd like a movie to be, but it wasn't as bad. Some people were saying that it was like, It's so woke. I can't stand this. I can't I can't stand what the liberal agenda has done to to our fun movies. <laughs> Um, but, but I thought it was funny. I thought I thought it was really funny. Here's it, it the thing. It was a really funny movie. Yeah. Everyone was very upset, at least people who didn't grow up playing with Barbies. Everyone was saying that Ken and all the guys in the movie were, like, not in the movie or they were not, um, they were portrayed in a bad light, mm-hmm. things like that. But the truth is that if you grew up playing Barbies, you just did not play with your Ken doll. You didn't touch Ken. Ken was there solely for the purpose of being in love with Barbie. Mm. That's it. And everyone who played Barbies can agree with me there. So them painting Ken as like a dumb guy who isn't getting played with, and that's that's because it's based on the reality of of what actually happened when we played with dolls. The movie overall was a 7 out of 10, but in humor it was a 9 to 10 out of 10. <laughs> like there were some there were some scenes that I just thought was so funny. I thought Ryan Gosling stole the show. He was just so good as Ken. Um he and then Margot so Robbie was pretty good. Yeah. Like I don't know why Seth is like Margot Robbie's okay. She was fabulous. No, like obviously she looks like Barbie, like she's obviously she looks like Barbie. Yeah. But I'm not of the opinion that Margot Robbie is like the I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that online. You know what? I don't want it. Margot Robbie killed her role. She was fantastic. I think she was. I think she's a good actress. I think that just, you know, eh, it's Barbie. What are you really going to do with Barbie? You know, I can't believe you just said that. We're going to move on. Today's topic, guys. Drum roll, please. We're going to be talking about televangelism. Get excited. Don't get excited. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking about televangelism, talk a little bit about maybe prosperity gospel, humility, modesty. But uh, before anything, Miss Karina, when you hear the word televangelist or televangelism, what's the first thing you think of or the first person you think of? 
Kenneth, what's his face? Kenneth Copeland? Yeah, him. <laughs> I think of that viral video of the lady trying to interview him. And she asks him and catches him off guard. And she says, I never said that. Do you really think? No, dare say I did. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even get to it. She says, do you really think you need seven planes or something like that? And he says, yeah, he said that. He's like, this is none of your business. Something like that. Yeah, because he was like, she was like, do you think that getting in a plane is like getting in in a tube full of demons? And he's like, I never said that. And don't you dare say I did. But he kind of did say that. He kind of did. Because in another interview (laughs) that I saw, he was talking about how he needed his own plane because he was, in essence, too pure to be sitting with other regular people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about you? What do you think about? For me, when I think of televangelists, I think of a a guy with, like, a, a nice suit, you know, maybe a couple of rings and a really big haircut or maybe no hair at all. Um, what is a big haircut? <laughs> like a haircut that's very, like... Like, it looks expensive, you know? Oh, so not just big hair. Not just big hair. But a lot of them do have the big, cur- like, uh, flip back hair- <laughs> the hairstyle. The hair. It's almost like it's like a, it's like a big bump in the head, hair. But um, I think of that. But I, in particular, I think of these men on stage who just shout prosperity gospel, who do miracles, crazy miracles, and these people who kind of just yell all these types of things that are just not really that true. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I think of these these guys up there who have these big heads on their shoulders, who have big egos, preaching prosperity gospel and preaching a very charismatic way of looking at things while also kind of taking advantage of people and people who are in a hard spot and taking advantage of people's money. Mm-hmm. So for those of you who aren't super familiar with the term, it's it's emerging between obviously television and evangelists because these people devote a large uh, a large segment of their ministry to TV preaching, mm-hmm. which is how they reach a greater audience and want to bring in more money. But we are kind of moving a little quickly. So Seth, I know you're very passionate about this and you you know a lot more than me. You've done more research. Can you kind of go through the the timeline of televangelists and how they rose to fame and where they are now? Yeah. Um, so basically the, the, the frame or the term televangelism wasn't really used yet, but people using bigger forms of media to spread the gospel, um, maybe get paid for it too, um, through forms that weren't just word of mouth or normal street evangelism can go back to as far as, you know, when the radio was created or probably as far back as like the 1920s. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time, it was a lot of these preachers on, on, you know, recording maybe their Sunday services, certain interviews that were, um, you know, from pastors or what at the time you would just call normal evangelists or street evangelists who used media to kind of spread their gospel a bit further to a further reach of more people. And then in the 1950s, um, the first real televangelist, his name was Rex Humbard. Um, he became... Uh, he had like this weekly church service broadcast on, on Sundays all the time, and he started that in 1952. That was a big time around also, too, when like Billy Graham was big. And at that time, I would say that televangelism wasn't really what we look at it in the modern era. Televangelism was pretty, you know, pretty great. Um, you had these people who went on, t- on TV and either recorded their really big um, 
get-togethers or what you call, well, what others would call crusades, but um, you'd have them get together and film their church services or their services going overseas to other countries, to other states. You would have them film these huge services and them just preach, you know, have them preach or do sit-down talks with other guests. Um, and that's what televangelism really was at the time. And it was pretty great, honestly. At the beginning, it was all really great. And the idea of it was pretty amazing, you know. You, to think to yourself, well, if we want to reach everyone, and the gift of us is the Great Commission, why not use tele- telephones, television, newspapers, radios, all this stuff to get our word out way quicker? Because as only one person, there's only so many people that you can really reach in the area you're in, right? But if you have a radio that has a million listeners a day, hey, that's a million new people that can be saved. But then as we get into kind of like the 70s and 80s, we get a bit more into some more dicey, dicier people who start twisting it around and make prosperity gospel a big focal point of it. Um, in particular, some big people like Benny Hinn. You had some other people at the time who were really big evangelists um, in the 1970s, 80s, 90s. People like Benny Hinn, Jim Baker, uh, Robert Tilton, um, Billy Graham Jr., um, Creflo Dollar. All these people were really big, and they really spread the prosperity gospel. There also were a lot of—there was a lot more support in this uh, time of televangelism, where people would give so much money, and the word would be spread so much more often, and it would be less of always just a Sunday service, but also as well, they would do commercials, they would do huge news articles. But And then kind of as we go into like the 1970s, though, and 80s, that's when— the modern version of televangelism really begins. So there were a lot of people at the time in like the 80s, some people like Robert Tilton, um, it's okay if you're blanking. Robert Tilton, you had people like Robert Tilton at the time, people like Benny Hinn, Jim Baker, um, Creflo Dollar, who kind of rose up in the 70s to 90s era they were really the people who I would say had the really big aura of televangelism. When you think of televangelists, those are probably the people you really think of when you think of, you know, a televangelist who's this big charismatic guy who does healings and all this type of stuff yeah. on stage. So it didn't start out necessarily as with the intentions of the way televangelists are now. Honestly, no, I, I don't, I don't really think intentions. so. I do. I, I fully do believe that it really was started off to be a good thing. And I still do think that televangelism, like that, you know, doing Sunday services over radio on TV can still be really beneficial because not everyone can get to a church. Not everyone has a car. Not everyone lives close to a church, unfortunately. Not everyone can get to a church on time. Not everyone is even off on Sunday. So have a pre-recorded service. People can watch, have one on TV, a radio, even a podcast. I think that's awesome. I think that's a great thing that we can still use. But the phrase televangelism is tainted forever. Yeah, I don't know if there's any going back. So really in like the 1980s, I, I think the 1980s, I might be wrong, might be the 90s, but I'm pretty sure it was the 80s, a specific one named Robert Tilton, who was big at the time, he started um, doing these things called, um, uh, hold on, what were they called in particular? Vows, certain things such as prayer vows. Um, you would get an arrow, 
Maybe you would you, you would send in an arrow. You would maybe send in a letter. Maybe even send him a uh, a piece of clothing or an item to place on an altar that he would pray for. That would be specially prayed for. But these vows would be like hundreds, sometimes even a thousand, five thousand, ten thousand dollars, and these would be going out every single day. So there was one point where his ministry, Robert Tilton, he would be making like. a day, sometimes even more than $100,000 every single day, Mm. to where in the 1980s, he was making about $80 million a year. And so at the time, especially when TVs were more popular, there was a lot more of a way that since TVs weren't super expensive anymore, you would reach a lot more people in, say, harder parts of the neighborhood, people who didn't have that much money but had enough money but strongly believed in God. And you would have these people who have really nothing giving you their entire paycheck, realistically, um, because they believed God will bless me and because the whole idea was God will, you will prosper. God will give you. If you make make this $1,000 vow today, make this $5,000 vow today. There's a really famous um, video. I don't know if it is Creflo Dollar, but it is a um, African-American televangelist who is talking and he says like, oh, $1,000, that wasn't even enough to pay for your rent, so you might as well give it to us anyway. You know, that wasn't even enough to get the car you want. That wasn't even enough to get all the the shoes and all the jewelry you wanted anyway. So you might as well give it to us. Might as well give it to God. Wow. You know, Um, like back to him. And by saying that, by saying you're giving that money to God when you give it to us, they're equating themselves with God. Yeah. Because they're the ones receiving the money. Mm -hmm. And maybe they're putting a portion of it back into the church, but they're putting the the other huge majority into their seven planes. So mm-hmm. that's just frustrating to have them put themselves at the same level as God. And that idolatry is so, so incredibly dangerous. Mm-hmm. But as you're saying. But back to um, Robert Tilton, um, it was found that a lot of these arrows, notes, there was a really big scandal where they found a huge dumpster at a certain bank that he would get his uh he would get the money from, and they would find all of these arrows, clothing, envelopes, um, letters, and notes in the dumpsters. And these are things people sent him to pray over. But notice in, the, in these interviews, in these videos, the money was not found in the garbage as well. It was wow. to the point where he himself was, he had a an eight-figure, you know, yearly um, net worth just from doing this pastoralship, when in reality, a lot of this stuff wasn't even seeing the light of day. Most of these people's prayers were never really getting prayed for by him. He would never see these people, never touch these people, never really feel what these people were going through. This is where I also think that spiritual gifts tend to get really badly maligned in the church. So people like Robert Tilton, you know. So Robert Tilton continued in his scandal, and it was found that he had taken and basically evaded taxes because if you have a religious thing, you can evade certain taxes and you can get exempt from certain taxes. He was taking in hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars a year just for himself through his ministry, through these people's vows. And that was, I think, one of the biggest, probably one of the first earliest uh, scandals through televangelism, through stealing money taking money, evading taxes, um, especially targeting people who were in such low income areas because most of the people who really were sending him money were people who didn't have the money to send anyway. In Luke, Jesus tells, tells a certain man 
to give up basically all of his possessions and the man doesn't do it because his possessions are really great. And so I think that a lot of these people do give in good faith, but it's almost taking advantage of that good faith that these people live by because how they see it is that God will bless me if I give these thousand dollars away, this $5,000 away, this $10,000 away. So I might be broke right now, but God will bless me. So it's okay. People, especially like Creflo Dollar also, really preach prosperity gospel beyond and beyond. Um, In terms, though, of I think another part of televangelism is really charismatic and spiritual gifts being used. That was a time where it was very much maligned in the church. Um, And I think that today it is still given a bad name because of televangelists. Mm -hmm. So you have a very famous one. His name is Benny Hinn. And he had this thing called Crusades. And so if you've ever, you might have seen him. Usually in his crusades, he would be wearing like this all white outfit. Yep. And he'd be like, fire, <laughs> fire. And these people would just fall. Yeah. And, you know, he'd be like, they'd be healed. Things would happen. And that was a huge thing that a lot of people were like, that's crazy. And he also took advantage of a lot of people's money as well um, through those uh gifts and Mm -hmm. spiritual gifts because oftentimes a lot of these people in a sense would kind of get this type of placebo effect in which when you have someone who's taking who's who knows the word right and you have someone who is good at speaking loud and speaking hard and really make convincing you of a certain ideology Mm -hmm. you almost get a kind of placebo effect now Am I saying that these people didn't really feel God's spirit who did fall in the spirit or spoke in tongues because of what Benny Hinn did? I never know. Anyone can can cause, anyone can, God can use anyone to change someone's life. Mm-hmm. However, I do think that a lot of these times, most of the people he said were healed, whose lives were changed, weren't. Mm-hmm. And I think that gives a really bad name to modern spiritual gifts and spiritual gifts in general. That's another topic for another day, though. Yeah. I just wanted to add also something that contributes to the widespread of prosperity gospel is preaching about miracles that have happened in your own life and telling people that those same events will happen in your life if you just, you know, follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. Because obviously we believe in a divine God who is capable of, of everything and anything and has all power and is all the omnis, omnipresent, omnipotent, all the things. And he's capable of doing miracles, both physical, mental. Like, he's capable of doing those miracles 100%. But obviously, miracles don't happen the way that they used to happen when the Bible was written. So one time I was in youth group, and this preacher was giving a sermon on how God had done this thing in his life. He said that, like, God turned a light on in his room or something, and it's something that only God could have done. And the way he was telling it made it seem like, he made it seem like this is something that God just does all the time for his followers, and it's, if you just pray hard enough, God will turn on your light too, or God will turn off your light. And and I'm sure that a lot of kids went home that day expecting God to mess with their lights, and it's like, mm-hmm. that's that doesn't happen. I feel like that's a form of prosperity gospel, and it gets dangerous too when you tell those things like that, to kids maybe god really did interfere and you know turn his lights on that's i believe that god can do anything but i personally believe 
that some miracles that you witness should be kept intimate between you and God. I think it should be a reason that you believe and, 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 and an incredible testimony, but it doesn't need to be preached to impressionable people who are then going to think that God is going to do whatever they want, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and I also think that sometimes these miracles are lies that people talk about. No, straight about. up, yeah, and sometimes. <laughs> I think sometimes they use, because if, you, if, you, if you're if you a strong person with strong will and confidence and you go up and you say, well, you know what, God did this for me, They'll these people will believe anything, especially since they tend to target certain people in low-income communities low-income areas, people who don't have the best education, they tend to target those people in particular because they know they will listen. Right. Um, and for one, that's awful. <laughs> but, but two, you also get prosperity gospel where no one but the person preaching is actually prospering. Mm-hmm. Um, a very famous person named Creflo Dollar, um, he was another very famous televangelist, very famous for his jet tithes. Mm. Um, he would ask people for thousands of dollars almost, at almost uh, for a long time in order to buy a jet um, because as he said it, um, the airplanes don't fly my schedule. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, and there was, there's, a very, there's, there's, there's a pretty popular um, interview, especially popular right now, of a certain woman who was a tither and a patron of him who gave money all the time to him. And you see her, she kind of lives in this, you know, average place, average average area, who doesn't really drive a car. She rides the bus every day. Um, and you see her and you're like, this woman is a woman who fully believes in, pros- in prosperity gospel and that she will be, pr- you know, she will prosper from this. But in reality, where is the car that she's praying for? Where is the car that that $1,000, you know, tithe, $1,000 uh, vow is supposed to get God to give you? Mm-hmm. It's because most of these people confuse money and wealth with prospering all the time with blessing yeah and i think that we look at prospering because in prosperity gospel i think a big thing that people really look at is like it's things like um you know enlarging my territory the story of job where his territory is super enlarged um king solomon who had like the most they say had the most money of all time um but there is also many verses in the Bible that preach a, get, preach a certain type of modesty, um, in particular in Matthew chapter 6, in which God says that you cannot serve both God and money. You can only be devoted, you can't be devoted to one and devoted to the other. Therefore, you can't live your life for greed and then call your and then live your life for God as well. Because when you're living your life to get money and to get more money constantly in a way where you are even use your ministry as a way to become rich, to buy jets, to buy right. these ma- these beautiful cars. There's a there's a there's a famous shot with Creflo Dollar where it shows his um, huge uh, garage where he has like thirty vehicles. Jeez. Um, and so it calls these people into question and say, "You praise me and you want to spread my gospel, but are you spreading my gospel just because my gospel is getting you a lot of money? What if my gospel was only giving you thirty thousand dollars a year?" What if my gospel didn't allow you to have medical coverage? Mm -hmm. What if my gospel didn't allow your kids to go to the college they wanted to? You know, I I think it's certain certain aspects of really living for Christ and that modesty and humility you have to live in that these people won't preach about. Yet they'll preach about, oh, God will give you, he'll give you all these things. 
He'll bless you. He'll enlarge your territory through your hard times. If you just give a little bit, you'll get all these things you're praying for. I'll even kiss the thing that I'm not even going to ever see or touch that is in the dumpster outside of the bank I go to that's right. never going to go on the altar that I'll never pray for because I'll never actually read your letter. Right. If you send that in, God will bless you. Yep. And a lot of these people, too, in the televangelist congregation think that they need to sell. They can't have any money because this quote is thrown around all the time that money is the root of all evil. Money is the root of all evil. No. First Timothy says the love of money is the root of evil. Not just money, period. It's the love for it, the worship of money, the idolization of money. That is the root of all evil. So people don't understand that. They think that just money in general is, is having money is going to cause downfall upon their life. And the televangelists preach that, being complete hypocrites on stage in front of thousands of people. I was watching a video earlier, actually, of Ruslan KD, and he was saying that hypocrisy is one of the, I think it's like the first reason that people will leave the faith because they see other people being hypocrites. And it is so sad to see these people. Some of them are continuing to thrive in the worldly sense that they're getting richer every single day. They're, they're getting a, a, a bigger audience every single day. They're continuously thriving while at the same time being hypocrites. And mm-hmm. then people see that and people are like, I don't want to be a part of that community. I don't want to be a Christian because he's a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. It's so frustrating. And especially when in the more modern day and even back then too, you have so many of these televangelists who preach us such great messages only to be found out were in allegations of money laundering, sexual assault, certain people like Bill Gothard. Oh, let's not bring in Bill um, Gothard. Jim, Jim Baker. <laughs> <laughs> and even, you know, uh, Robbie Zacharias yeah. was a very fa- is, is probably the most popular one right now at the time. He wasn't even a televangelist. He was just an apologist. And even that coming out after his death was horre- mm. like it was horrendous. There was destruction everywhere. People were leaving the faith in masses because of what happened with him. Mm-hmm. So imagine that as a televangelist, plus getting into all that tax mess, plus using this money that you're getting for horrible things, for selfish purposes. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's people think that that's what Christianity is when they see it on the television like that. Your dad made a pretty good point uh, in his episode where he talked about that people, will, you know, will follow this big charismatic personality in the church who in reality doesn't really have that much Bible knowledge at, at all. Or the Bible knowledge they have, they want to twist around and use to support them. When, no, yeah, literally. When in reality, it is very much taught that using your using holiness mm-hmm. or God as a way to just get wealth is very very negative. Such as in First Timothy six chapter uh, chapter six verse five, um, Paul is talking to Timothy and he says um, to be careful of those depraved in mind, depraved in truth. Um, who imagine godliness as a means to gain. Basically saying that these people who look at godliness, preaching, spreading the word as a way to just make wealth, that that's not the true way to preach the gospel. The real way to be an evangelist, a real way to be a person who preaches the gospel, does the Great Commission, fights the good fight, (laughs) is a person who goes out there and doesn't know maybe even when their next meal is. A person who might not even 
be able to pay rent next week, but keeps preaching, keeps doing what they're doing because they know that it's their mission, right? Continuously practicing faith. You know, mm-hmm. we can give to God in different ways. Worship is is giving to God, giving back mm-hmm. to God. It also pushes a lot of people in this way that say, because I prospered as a televangelist, that means you can also prosper as a preacher as well. Mm-hmm. And you have a lot of these people who are not made to be preachers preaching who never find success. So how can we kind of move forward from, you know, hearing about all this stuff going on and maybe feeling discouraged? How can we offer encouragement to someone who is discouraged by all of this televangelist stuff going on and saying there's no hope because it's tainted forever, like you said? Well, for one, you're most likely never going to be a millionaire from preaching. That's just a straight up thing. Most of the time, people will look at these evangelists and say they're pretty wealthy for a pastor. Because in reality, pastoralship, um, being a leader of a church, tends to not be extremely lucrative in the worldly sense. Because you're not going to be making most even times six figures as a pastor, really almost ever in your lifetime. No matter how many raises you get, it's a very it's a very humbling um, and modest type of job because you know, you're not making a crazy amount of money, but people are looking to you to almost change their life and lead them in a better direction. Um, so don't be discouraged just because this guy's making 80 million and you're making only, you know, I don't know, 80K, which is still good for a pastor. <laughs> but, you know, saying to yourself, well, I don't make this. Maybe if I started doing this, maybe if I made myself a podcast, maybe if I started doing mine on TV, maybe if I started asking people for more donations for live and I started preaching about this, maybe if I started preaching prosperity gospel, I'd get more money. When in reality, you might, but what are you losing in that? What is it that you're really losing sight of? You're losing sight of the real reason why we have to preach the gospel in the first place. It's not to get more money and to make our church a bigger and bigger and bigger size. Because your church doors may never be bigger than a tiny house, truthfully. And that's okay. Sometimes that is so necessary. But I don't care if it's 200 members of your church versus 20,000. Because out of that 20,000, only one person might ever really be saved but a hundred of yours might be saved there. So in reality, you're doing better work than someone else's in that, in that true reality, especially with these televangelists who never really meet the people and see the face of the people who they're really touching. So true. It's, it's hard, especially um, last week we talked about um, experience versus logic and how some people walk away from the faith for intellectual reasons and some people like um, Donald Miller, like the author we were talking about, said that a lot of people walk away for um, emotional reasons, a supposed contradiction. And this kind of thing, like I said, is something that people will look at and will feel like they don't want to be a part of that community. And it's very sad as people in the Christian community to, to see that being the representation of us. These people are applicable for First Timothy 6.10, which says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Um, it's very sad, but we, we also have to remember, um, Paul talks about in Philippians that where the gospel is, is preached, we can rejoice. If someone is 
saved or becomes saved or becomes closer to God in that time, watching a televangelist, we have to we have to welcome them and we have to be grateful that they they found truth. But we also have to encourage them and kind of guide them and make sure they know that those people that they see on TV are not equivalent to God and they're certainly not preaching messages that are worth spreading like they are. And I do think that it should not discourage you from seeking wise counsel through people who do certain types of maybe televangelism, podcasting, us. Uh, <laughs> Why are you equating podcasting to televangelism? Because I think that podcasting is kind of taking over the Christian televangelist front nowadays. Um, there's a lot of very famous podcaster Christians um, who I don't think are always bad, but I think there's a lot more, you're seeing a lot more Christian podcasts that tend to be either full straight up Sunday services or godly talk, you know, we are one of those. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that there's a lot to be said about a lot of wise counsel. There's a lot of people out there who pre- who do really, really good podcasts, um, Sunday services online, on TV, who I think speak really good stuff and give really good wisdom, you know? Um but also be weary of who you're listening to. Yes. Um, think about the fact that, you know, if this guy is telling me a drink that he says is going to fix my cancer because God said it will, you know, probably don't drink it. There was a very famous scandal <laughs> a few years ago where someone was selling this magical water that you that they would say, you you drink it and it'll take away of all your problems. I found that it actually had a bit of bleach in it, a little bit of chemicals what? that could really harm you if you drank it like enough. Um, and of course they were recalled. I, I hope so. Um, I actually think it might have been Jim Baker who was selling those, but I don't know. Um, but there's a lot of really great people and great influences. For me, one of the biggest influences in my life was Billy Graham. I think Billy Graham still has some of the most powerful and just soul-injecting uh, words and, and messages that I've ever seen. Um I think that in the modern day, someone like Jerry Flowers is a really good um, person who preaches on stage and on TV. There's a lot of really great people out there who you still can find. So don't just be discouraged just because, you know, you have a Joel Osteen who takes over everything. You have a, a Kenneth Copeland who's still taking over things, you know. There's a lot of people out there, even in the podcast world. You know, there's a lot of really great podcasters out there who are wonderful Christians, who make really good content. And the whole content isn't just to make more money. They're preaching a really, really good message. You know? That's what I have to say. Yeah, I agree. Don't be discouraged, guys. And God is a God of justice, too. Mm. We're not out here to be like, those people are going to get what they deserve. They'll get (laughs) karma. (laughs) Like, we believe that God is a God of justice, and they will be held accountable 100% for their actions. Yeah. Whether it's on this earth or whether that's when they are face to face with God himself. With the G, man. With that being said. <laughs> Overall, I think this topic is a topic that can be talked about for ages, literally. Oh, yeah. This is a topic that can be talked about for so long because, first of all, televangelism is so vast and the amount of people who do it, the amount of people it's touched, the amount of issues in it. And it's still a thing that goes on today, but I'm glad that a lot more that people nowadays really do find a lot of problems with it, and people nowadays kind of just do mainly label it as something that is negative, and as people are kind of moving more away from prosperity gospel, 
Um, and not that they should fully completely, because like I said, there are still some really great preachers out there who do Sunday services on TV and online and through a podcast. That's really great. Um, yeah, that's all I have to say. Um, don't be discouraged. Find good discernment. Find good discernment. Yes. Thank you guys for sticking around. Um, if you want to continue the conversation, please reach out to us on our Instagram. You can find us at the underscore introvert underscore city. Next week, you guys, we are having our first season two guest. Mm -hmm. And this episode is going to be heavy, but it's going to be a really good one. I think you'll be really encouraged by it. So come back next week. Yep. We will let you know who that guest is in the next coming days. Yes. The reveal will be probably on our Instagram. But thank you guys for sticking around, and we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye, homebodies. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.